0: Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Won't you guys stand up with us as we read Scripture? We are glad that you are in the house. If you are watching by device, thank you so much for doing that. You guys, man, we can feel the Spirit, amen. Amen. Oh, it's groovy. Today we're going to talk about love. What love is, and our culture today can be so confusing. Is love this? Is love that? I don't understand love. Well, welcome to the reality. Sometimes you don't understand love. I was talking to my wife yesterday, and she said, "Cupid love, mad or stupid love." I said, "Yeah, cupid love will make you stupid sometimes. That is for sure." So we're going to talk about that here in a second. But uh, the Bible is very specific. Paul's writing, and he goes, "Listen, love is, and love is not." So we have a clear roadmap. Amen. So let's start out here, 1 Corinthians 13 and 3. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Father, our hearts are bowed to you. Speak to us through your word. We're excited to be in your house. Move among your people. And everybody says, Amen. amen. Wave at your neighbor as you sit down. Guys, in the streaming, thank you so much for being a part of this. Here, Paul is using a technique. Now, I honestly believe he means what he's saying, but he's using kind of the pendulum approach is what I call it, where he goes way one side and way the other. And he goes, listen, if, if you give away everything that you have, and then you offer up your body to be burned, but you don't do it in love, then you gain nothing. See, see Christ teaches the same principle in Mark 8 and 36. He says, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit it so? See, you see the pendulum swing? You've got the soul that's, that's in heaven, but, but you could have the entire world over here. And what they're trying to teach us is it's the motives, amen? Why, why, why do we do what we do? And this, course, is the great month of love. Love, love, love. We love it, all right? For us married folk, it's important. It's important. But here they're teaching us that. They're saying, listen if it's not with the right motives, and that's what love does inside of us. This, this love that God's given us to love humanity with, to love ourselves with, to, to love our families with, to love our spouses, and ultimately to love him with. Let's do that in the right motivation. Paul explains clearly that that's the case. Now, as we go through culture, though, we see many things that uh, kind of give us a a perspective on love, if you will. We see books that were written, Pride and Prejudice, the great love story. How many has written Pride, or, or, or read uh, Pride and Prejudice? Yeah. The Notebook. How many have seen the movie? How many men in here have seen The Notebook? Bless you. I have not. I don't know if I ever will. I don't, I don't even know what it's about, but it's, it was one of the ones that came up when I Googled it. So there you go, The Notebook. Then, there's of course, there's poems about love. My wife quotes this one to me. Often, it's by Elizabeth Barrett Browning. How do I love thee? And she'll look at me and she'll go, Matt, how do you love me? Count the ways. <laughs> well, you kind of got me on the spot. Your hair's brown. You're my wife. Give me a little bit of, you know what I mean? Give me some. I carry your heart with me by E.E. Cummings. I carry your heart with me. I carry it in my heart. I am never without it. Anywhere I go, my dear, and whatever is done by only me is your doing, my darling. I fear no fate, for you are my fate, my sweet. I want no world, for beautiful you are my world, my true. Ooh, deep words. Now, men, you got to be careful. You start quoting poetry to your wife. My goodness, especially you young men. You're going to have a quiver full of children. You walk in there and start quoting that poetry, or right, I'm a sonnet. Now, old man, you got to be careful, too. We already learned last week what happened to Sarah and Abraham, so don't think you're excused. Yeah, but you go in there and start quoting that poetry, well, good things can happen, right? In our modern, in our modern culture, we have people like Tina Turner who poses this question. Oh man, I thought some throwbacks there. People were bouncing, getting... Yeah. Brought back some memories. Well, Miss Turner, love has everything to do with it. The greatest love story ever told was Jesus Christ coming to earth and giving his life for us that we could see heaven one day. Oh, it has everything to do with it. Well, but there's more. Johnny Cash describes it like this. Love is a burning thing. Yeah. And it makes a fiery ring. Oh, yeah, some of you guys already had church. You heard Johnny Cash. Yeah, some of you probably listened to him on the way to church. Come on now, be honest. Of course, if you've ever been madly in love, you understand that burning ring of fire and it burns, burns, burns. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Well, Chris Stapleton talks about it like this. Oh, yeah, and if you've ever been in love, you understand what he's talking about, about that millionaire status. Your kid crawls up in your lap and looks at you and says, Mom or Dad, and all of a sudden you realize you have everything you need. You're hugged by your spouse, and you've got everything you need right there. Oh, and don't get me started on grandparents. Good Lord. (laughs) Uh, My parents, yeah, (laughs) my parents totally changed. Goodness, man, that little grandbaby. I'm like, I would have never got away with that. Oh, they just don't know what they're doing. She's 10. She knows what she's doing. <laughs> she's playing you, and you're letting it happen. But we all understand that. We're millionaires. And then we go on, we do a little bit further throwback, and we hear what Foreigner has to say about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I want to know what love is. Yeah. And then when that question is asked, I'm like, do you really? (laughs) Sometimes it's very painful. But regardless of how we look at love, we can all agree that there's many ways that we interpret it. And and I really agree with Foreigner. I I really want to know what it is. And people may not know that they want to know what it is, but there really is this hole in our heart that was created by God Almighty. That's the reason why he sent Jesus Christ, that we could feel this agape love that would fill our hearts and our life and penetrate us, and we could love our communities and love our family and love our church. So we understand what all these guys are talking about. We understand that the Bible talks about that passionate love That love between a man and a woman, that desire, where sometimes you feel like duking it out, and other times you just want to cuddle, amen? The brotherly love, it's that love where we help our neighbor, that love that we feel God that has towards us that agape love, that love that we don't understand, and then we also see that the Bible teaches us about family principles about how parents interact with children and children with parents and extended family and this type of thing, but there's love all over the Bible. But one thing that I can say that Paul does is he puts a road map for us. He goes, listen, this is what love is. This, If you will, this is the manifestation of love. If somebody says they have love in their heart and love in their life towards you, then you can expect these type of things. Now, he's writing here, and we're going to read a little bit more, verses 4 through 8 here in chapter 13. And he's writing to a particular people group. Now, the Corinthians are much like we are, just a different century, but they live in luxury and wealth. Uh, They have a lot of immorality problems. Uh, Some of their habits are very vicious, but yet they have all the resources that they need. Paul talks about how there's Romans and Greeks and Jews all mixed in and there's plenty of reasons to be divided. We can certainly relate to that, right, in America. There, there's certainly plenty of reasons to fight and disrespect and dishonor. And here, here, here Paul comes and he goes, listen, let's talk about love. Love, love, love. And he says you have every reason not to, but let's talk about why we should and what it is. Let's read together, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verses four through eight. Love is patient and kind. Love, love does not envy or boast. it is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. it is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Many of us grew up on those type of scriptures, and we know we've quoted it over and over again. But what I love about Paul here, kind of out of the shoot, what does he say? He says, love is patient and kind. I love that. See, he, he doesn't focus on the negative. Sometimes it's creation. Sometimes it's humans. We have a tendency to lend ourselves towards focusing on the negative. Look at all the bad stuff that's happening. Look at all the stuff that I've went through. Look at all the stuff that I may go through. But Paul says, no, love is patient and kind. He's, he's setting us up for success here. He's saying, listen, if we will get so focused on the goodness of God and what love is, maybe we won't realize what love is not because I want to do what love is. Amen? And Paul's encouraging us, love is, and you gotta love that from Paul. Paul's a great encourager. He takes people from all over and starts churches with them through through the glorious power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, but I promise you, somebody's gotta go there and teach and encourage and and lift up, and Paul is so great at that. And as I read back over what he's written, I, I see the first thing that jumps out and grabs me is that love is active. If you're taking notes, love is active. We're going to celebrate the Super Bowl. If you're going to watch it, that's great. If you're not, hey, I understand. But the NFL has a 60-minute-a-day program. It talks about virtual fitness and, and proper fueling, you know, teaching kids how to eat right. And, and, and since it's been launched in 2007, it's, it's invested over $352 million into youth. 38 million children have been involved at some point in some form or fashion. 73,000 schools. They've set up over 265 youth fitness zones nationwide. And they found out that people who were involved, these kids who were involved in this program, the kids who, would, who, who they were trying to uh, uh, come by and encourage to get off the couch, get, a, get away from the video games, go out to the park and play baseball or football or basketball, get outside and go run and play tag. Remember those days where we used to play tag outside? Yeah, yeah. Now we're shooting people with guns on TV. It's true. And, And they said, let's go outside and let's do this. And this is what they found. They found that every student that was involved in this over a mass scale, that there was an increase in aerobic exercise. There was an increase in their body mass index for all the students who had participated. And I think how closely that relates to an act of love that Christ does inside of us. This act of love causes our capacity to grow for people. It causes us to want to be more involved. It stretches us. Like those kids go out and they have to stretch and they have to do these different things to go out and be part of these events. That's what active love does to us in the spirit. God speaks to us and he reveals things and he he, he causes us to expand our capacity. Even our lungs sometimes. Sometimes. Think about this, since you've met Jesus Christ and he's come into your heart, how many times when somebody's talking to you and you know they're not doing what they need to do, you take a deep breath and bite your tongue and hold your words. See, you're developing lung capacity. (laughs) You're being active, praise the Lord for that, right? Sometimes we gotta bite our tongue, but it's that activity, it's that love being active in our lives. See, active love makes kindness. It it brings kindness. When Paul talks about it in scripture, what what, what active love does is it nurtures that kindness in our lives. Kindness to ourselves and kindness to the people around us. Active love turns up the desire for truth and for justice. Here it says real love goes after truth So whenever we have this act of love in our life We want to pursue truth We want to open up the word of God We want to talk to men and women Who's been seeking the face of Christ And asking them help me understand Whenever we see the different things That we see in our community We go to that next step and say Whoa is that truth or is that not Should I really believe that Or should I not It gives us stamina to root out seeds in our life that we don't need to plant. See, Paul says, listen, what you don't need to do is rejoice in wrongdoing. Love, true love, does not rejoice in wrongdoing. And and what the act of love does in our life is it causes us to root out those seeds. I was talking to a young couple the other day, and I asked them, I said, what is your axe and what is your shovel? And I explained what that meant. I said, we know we have to cut out the roots of things in our life. So we have to choose the axe that we will use to strike that root to cut it out. And I said, we know the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. So I'm going to use the word of God. But let's get more specific. If you struggle with greed, then I'm going to look up scriptures about greed. And how I, when I give, I open up the windows of heaven. Now then I take my shovel and and that's more the physical side of it right now swinging an axe is physical we've got to go into the word and get truth and do these things. But then I get my shovel and I begin to dig that root out and maybe the shovel if I struggle with greed would be generosity. God, how many times can I be generous? Amen. How many times can I listen to your voice and and give when you say to give? Maybe it's with time, maybe it's with money, maybe it's with energy. But what I do is I take that shovel of generosity and I begin to scoop out that root. Now we know the Holy Spirit says that it will fill our hearts with love. So what are we gonna put back in the hole? Because we can't just leave an open pit there once we dig out that root and that shovel of generosity or whatever is the opposite of what you're struggling with. That's godly. We fill back in that pit and say no more those roots. That act of love causes us to dig down and say listen, I don't want to go there. See, it's easy, it's easy to get so involved in self that I'm not as prepared as I need to be. See, see, love is even proactive. There's gonna be conversations that we have, meetings and discipline situations that we have. Well, Paul says, listen, love is not irritable, so I need to prepare myself for those disciplining situations. I need to guard myself the best way that I can. Remember it says in there, don't insist on your own way. I can't insist that my way is right. What we're looking for is the right way, the best way. And proactive love will sit down and say, listen, I'm about to have this meeting. I'm about to do this discipline. I know in my life as I discipline my child, I understand that statement where it hurts me more than it hurts you, not physically. Physically, it doesn't really hurt me at all. (laughs) But the contemplation before the discipline and then the discipline and then the thinking after, making sure that everything happened like you need it to. Anybody else? Because we're trying to be proactive because sometimes we can just get caught up in the moment and get caught up in self. And what happens when we do that? Well, it seems like every time I get up and caught up in self and I spin off the handle or something, it seems like that's the time that I really don't need to do it. People are really looking for the answer. People are trying to be gentle and kind. Maybe I have or you have intense fellowship with your spouse. Don't raise your hands. Maybe you have some work challenges with some people. It's like the young lady said, it's not the work that I mind, it's the people I have to deal with. We all understand that. Maybe there's a confusion in a friendship. There's so many different facets that love runs through us, and I want to make sure that, God, I am prepared as I go into these situations because as I proclaim to be a a follower of Jesus Christ, it's not like we get up on our high horse and proclaim it, but people know because our lives are different. And they're looking to us, and we've all asked these questions, or we know that people have asked these questions, no doubt. We engage in those situations, and Love needs to be proactive. Because these are the questions, have they, have they really changed? I mean, we saw the situation last time and I saw how they acted. I wonder if they've really changed. Maybe they think, oh no, here we go again. So many times I see this asked in marriages, will he or she choose me this time? Over the fit, over the job, over the Whatever. And if we're not proactive in going in those situations and saying, God, what are you trying to do with me? Because Christ really wants us to rise above those questions. It's really Christ's love that's shining through us in those situations that begins to elevate us above those, and that's what he wants to do. Check it out, Romans 5 and 8. But God shows his love for us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. See, Christ answered the question. He was proactive while I was still a sinner. When, when I didn't know to love God, when I didn't know what to do, when I didn't know how to handle correction, when I didn't even really know what true correction was. Christ says, I'm going to be proactive. I'm going to go and I'm going to die for you, Matt. And he says that for everyone in the room and under the sound of the voice. God says, listen, I want to rise you above those situations. And those situations are very vital because they're everyday situations. And we cannot express enough how active love and proactive love can change people's situations. Think for a minute back to your situation. When 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 were you introduced to Christ? When did you feel him tugging at your heart? I almost bet it was an everyday situation. And maybe you got saved at the altar of the church, but who invited you to it? Was it out when you were mending fence, working on the job, maybe eating dinner? Maybe you were flipping through the channels and saw something that that gripped your attention. Maybe it was a letter in the mail. Everyday situations. And in those everyday situations, whenever we begin to say, God, I want that love to be activated in my life. I want to be proactive. It opens up the door for conversation and behavior and invite. See, in, John first, in First John 4 and 8, we know that it says, and anyone who does not know God, love does not know God because God is love. And if God is love and I know love is active, then that means God wants to be active in our life, amen? He, he wants to partner with us. He wants to take our talents and, and see salvations and needs being met, justice being served, physical healings, marriage strengthened, people finding destiny, jobs produced, strong community, and strong church, But just like he says, it won't insist on its own way. Christ is not gonna shove you out of the way to get to your heart. You gotta shove yourself out of the way and say, Christ, you can have my heart. And whenever we give him permission, we get to really see that active love in our life. We get to see that proactive. We start changing the way we think and deal, and then we'll begin to see some of those seeds begin to sprout from what we've planted with patience and kindness and gentleness. not not bullying our way in, but saying, God, you open the door and let me walk through it and see what happens, amen? Paul goes on, and I believe another thing that I see as I I read through this for you note-takers, love is transforming. Love is transforming. One of my favorite movie scenes is in the original Transformers. Any Transformers fans in here? Oh, I love the voices. Bumblebee is a yellow transformer that transforms back into a car. And he gets in a fight with this other evil transformer. I sound like I'm in third grade, don't I? But it's a lot of fun, okay? Anyways, so he gets in this fight, and they they jump at this scrapyard, and they're doing it anyways. He beats this other guy, and he switches back into the car. And, and that car door opens. Well, this whole time, there's been two people. Uh, Shiloh is the guy's name in real life, and Megan is, is, the, is, the, is her real name. But they've been watching this in this scene, and these guys fight back, and they've been scared because they've never seen anything like this. And then it transforms back into a car, and Bumblebee opens up its door, and, and Shiloh and Megan are in a conversation, and Megan looks at Shiloh and says, are you going to get into the car? <laughs> And he looks at her and he says this, he says, 20 years from now, don't you want to say you had enough guts to get in the car? See, that's the power of transforming love. 20 years from now, I want to say that God's love has invaded my life and I have been transformed by the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, by his love of teaching me how to love people, how to love my family, how to love my community, how I don't understand but to love a God who loves me more than I could ever imagine. And 20 years from now, I want to say I got into the car because this love is transformational. See, see, Paul writes in here, he says, listen, we cannot be envious or resentful. We have the love of Christ in our heart. We've got, to, we've got to fight against envious and resentful attitudes. Why? Because, man, we are walking backwards. Because whenever we have envy in our heart, we pose questions through our actions like this. I don't know, God, if you really have the best for me Because I really want what that person has. God, do you really love that other person more than me? Another question God, I don't know if I believe that you can do it. See, that's what envy produces. That's the reason why Paul's saying, listen, that is not love. Don't, Don't be envious, let's celebrate, rejoice in the truth. Let's rejoice with our neighbors that they've found Jesus Christ and, and walk in the blessings of our glorious Savior, amen? Because we don't want to walk backwards. And then Paul goes on. He says, listen, don't be resentful. Love, true love is not resentful because whenever we're resentful, we start making excuses. And we've heard these, right? Go with me here. I will never be able to emotionally heal from that. And really, it's, it's, it's a root of bitterness or unforgiveness I'll never be able to reach that goal because of that situation. I'll never be able to walk fully in the potential. I don't know if I can ever forgive that person. And all of those systematically open up the door to a final question that we see people struggle with. God, I don't know if I can ever forgive you for letting me walk through that. And now we're in a resentful unforgiveness attitude. But Paul says, listen, let's counter that. The very first thing, what does he say? He says, be patient. Love is patient. And whenever you and I allow that love that transforms our lives to flow through us and we begin to pursue patience, my goodness, don't pray for patience. Any of you guys ever prayed for patience? Yeah, I wish you wouldn't have done that, huh? Yeah, I got a new posture on that. (laughs) God, Good Lord, people are crazy enough. I don't need any help, you know what I mean? I, I, but I do want to pursue patience as you open up opportunities in my life because whenever I pursue patience, it makes allowances. Well, what kind of allowances does it make for us in our life? Well, we allow others to grow because we realize everybody doesn't get to the same spot at the same time. We, we allow ourselves to grow. We, we cut ourselves a little bit of slack. And whenever we pursue patience, see, we allow God to move and say, God, we're going to do this on your timing, not mine. We learned last week that if we push up that timetable before God says go, we're gonna have to live with our mistake and then God's blessing will come. Maybe some of the blessings in my life that's been pushed to the side, maybe I can go back and say, was that my fault? Maybe I jumped the gun, I wasn't patient enough. I didn't let that transforming love. It allows our faith to be activated. See, patience allows us to plant the seed, to watch it grow, and then to reap the harvest. That's what patience does for us. We hit a snag and we don't make the excuses. We don't say that we, we can't do that. Maybe if I see some inconsist- inconsistency in my life instead of saying, well, I'll never be able to overcome that, it forces me to look at the situation and say, how can I get better day by day by day? And patience will, will allow us to, to, to defeat and delay self-gratitude. It, it will change our attitude from maybe instead of spending, I should save. Maybe instead of judging, I can love. Maybe instead of quitting, I need to work a little harder. Maybe instead of making excuses, I can believe more. See, that's what patience does, and that's that real love that infiltrates our life. Psalms 37, seven through nine. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Now, up on the board, you'll see Psalms 37, verse nine. Psalms 37, verse seven is the one that I've just read. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently on him. Because then he gives some warnings. He goes on and says, listen, you need to refrain from anger. Because he says, listen, whenever we're impatient and we don't wait like we're supposed to, we get angry. Anybody ever been waiting and gotten mad? Tapping your foot? Yes. Every man's battle. Okay? Been waiting. Anger and wrath. That wasn't as funny as I thought it was going to be. Anger. Thank you, but you just made me feel really good. Thank you at home, you just made me feel really good. (laughs) Refrain from anger because whenever we rush things and we're not patient, we get angry and then we forsake wrath and then we begin to fret. And and the writer is very specific. He says, listen, all that's bad because it tends to lead towards evil. And Paul is saying, listen, be patient because we don't want to rejoice in evil. We don't want to have anything to do with that stuff. And then the promise in verse 9 for the evildoers will be cut off. God, if I am patient, then I know that my enemies will not be victorious. I know that I look around me and I see that I am surrounded, but as we sing in here, but really, I am surrounded by you, God. I will be patient because you will defeat my enemies. You will defeat this thing if I will give it to you and walk it out. Oh, and here's the promise, but those who wait for the Lord, they shall inherit the land. Personal question. What land has God promised you? What has God spoken to you that he said, listen, this is a promise for you? I want you to think about that for a second. Because we know that promise is real, They're yes and amen. So if I'm patient and I don't push it, then I will see that promise be fully developed. He said that I will inherit the land. But why be patient if I know that I'm already going to inherit the land? How many of you guys have ever known somebody to walk in the promise of God and lose it as fast as they've gotten it? Because we weren't patient. Now we're walking in the promise of God, but we don't know how to manage it. We don't know how to speak kindly or be gentle. Oh, we got the land, but now we lose it again. We're envious. These things happen and we begin to walk backwards. And and since we know that God is love and God is a transforming God and we've encountered this love through him that is completely overwhelming and in those moments though where we have to have patience and we've all been there, how many of you guys have ever asked the question, God, where are you? Did we break the promise, God? Did Did you break the promise? How many of you guys have ever felt forgotten? Maybe abandoned? You're in a hopeless situation. You're like, God, what's going on? But see, God is love and God is patient and God will transform us with that love. Paul is saying, listen, be patient. The land is yours. Now let's do everything we can when we get that land to continue to conquer and be victorious and be the champion that God has caused us to be, amen? Can you receive that? I can receive that. As I continue to read, I see that love is bold. Love is bold, check this out. Paul is writing here, and he's, once again he goes, listen, this is what love is. Love bears all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Parents and guardians and grandparents truly understand this. Leaders in the church and the community whether you're volunteered or whether you're paid or whether you're married to one of those who do lead. You've seen your spouse or you yourself has encountered that where you've got so much you're bearing. You feel like you're bearing so much weight, but yet that hope still stirs in your life. And then you go back day after day after day because you want to endure. Can I tell you, congratulations, we are getting to walk in a bold love. We serve a God who is bold. You've been praying for that person, for that grandchild, for that child, for that neighbor. You've been praying for that situation and you continue to go back on your knees and you continue to seek God and you continue to seek blessing and seek blessing over your life and that person's life. Why do you keep going back? Because you've tapped into the Holy Spirit and we have a bold love. We have that love that's from God that says I'm not going to sit idly by while I watch a nation fall apart. I'm not going to say that these things are all right when the Bible says clearly that they're wrong. I'm going to have a boldness about me and stand up and declare the things of God and say we're not going to back up as a church. We will not be silent. We will continue to do what God calls us to do. And that's in everyday things. You look at your job and your situation and you continue to walk in that bold love, whatever it is, because it's going to cost us. Endure all things and hope all things. I bear all things. You go and you weep at night. You weep at night for your job and for your family. It's because you're enduring all things. It's because you're hoping all things that this amazing Jesus Christ would infiltrate your situation and change everything. And then you leave. And God does that situation. He changes it. And you think everything's okay. And then God lays somebody else on your heart. In another situation, he does that, Wayland, because he's asking us to endure and bear. Because that's what true love does. Love is a boldness. And we know that God is love. And we serve a, a bold God. We serve a God that came down to earth, Jesus Christ, and he was rejected and he was crucified and he was he was mocked and he was falsely accused. He still faced it. Because it was a bold love. And since God is love, I want to walk in that boldness because when I walk in the boldness of love, I walk with my Lord and Savior. And we change things. Let me congratulate you. Thank you for all the workers who have endured illness. Thank you for all the entrepreneurs who have managed to continue to find ways to keep your businesses open. Thank you for the community leaders that are trying their best to keep our community going. You guys go back to work day after day. Thank you for doing that. There's a boldness. We understand that you're risking things, that it's not easy, that you're, you're trying to do your best to follow this law and follow that law and follow this restriction. And well, that's changed, so now I gotta do that. It's confusing and it's frustrating. Thank you. The reason why you keep going back is because you love your family. You love your community. You love this church. And you love your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because God is love, and it's a bold love. The final thing as I land the bird tonight, today, this morning, I see that love is, verse 8, never ending. This love that God speaks about is never ending. We see in Ephesians 2 and 1 where Paul is writing again, he says very specifically that we are for the adoption of himself. That God wants us to be a part of his family. He's done so many things to allow us to be a part of his family. Amen. And if you're listening to me in the audience or you're listening to me by device right now, and you're not saved, listen, Jesus Christ wants to come into your life because he has a never-ending love. Paul writes about this to Timothy. He talks about Christ wants all men to be saved. Then in Philippians 3, we see how Paul writes it again. He says, our citizenship is in heaven. See, the love doesn't just stop when the earth will fade away, and one day it will. One day it'll come to an end. But what won't come to an end is the Lord's love, because it endures forever. And Paul says, listen, after this is over after we close our eyes and slip into eternity, however that happens, we get to be citizens of heaven forever because love endures forever. You've wondered why you haven't given up, why it's been so difficult, why your mind still floats to that situation, wants to pray and wants to cry out, wants to do that for that individual, wants to see that salvation. It's because love is never ending. It endures and it bears but this is the thing about that, never, or that enduring love, is we have to ask for it. Christ won't insist on it. He wants all men to be saved, but he's not gonna push us out of the way. We have to open up our hearts and say, Lord Jesus Christ, I wanna make you Lord of my life. Come into my heart and change me. And we have to be willing to do that. After salvation, we have to be willing to recalibrate our ways. And say, God, I thought this was right, but I think I'm wrong. I thought this is the way that marriage is supposed to be, but it's not. Can you teach me? Because see, love teaches things too, amen? See, whenever we search out truth, what do we get? We get truth. That means we learn. We increase in our knowledge. And what does Christ want us to do? He wants us to increase and multiply and gain. So we have to open up our hearts and say, Christ, Christ, First of all, come into my heart my life and change me. Number two, God, after I'm a Christian, God, let me have a heart that does not insist that my way is the only way. And God, as you change me and you open up that door, let me be kind and let me be gentle. Let me do those things and walk in your love. That way you can transform my life. That way that boldness can come into my life. That way I can have that act of love change my life because i ultimately know that your love endures, and that's where we want to be. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we love you so much, and we know that your love endures. And our hearts are bowed to you, and all across the congregation, to our beautiful listeners at home, or wherever they're listening at. If they're not saved, God, (laughs) we know as believers, it's the greatest decision that they'll ever make make and with every heart that's bowed and our spirits connecting with God every believer is praying right now if you're not saved that you would be and I want to ask you where you at I know at one time in my life I had a strong desire for love and the only feeling that I could have was the enduring love of Jesus Christ And every Christian will tell you the same. And we invite you right now to open up your heart to Jesus Christ and say, Christ, come into my heart, change me. I want to accept you as Lord and Savior. And whether you're listening by your device or by a CD or however you're listening right now, You can invite him into your heart. And right now, with every head bowed, I want to put an invitation from Ray Hope. If you've done that, we definitely want to talk to you because we want to continue to teach you about Jesus. If you're listening live to us right now, just quick send an emoji, (laughs) send it through there and say, Hey, I just got saved. What's my next step? Because that's what we live for around here. Would you stand up with me all across the congregation? Our altar workers are going to come forward right now. And I know that it was in moments like this whenever I heard about the love of Christ that I wanted him to change me. Maybe you're going through a situation right now where you just need extra prayer. Maybe it's healing. Maybe you really need to feel the love of Christ like you've never felt it. We want to help you through that. We want to pray with you. So right now, I'm going to release you to walk down to the altar, if you would. Whatever your prayer situation is, whatever your need is, we have our team here, and we want to pray for you. At home, we're going to pray for you as well. Let's all bow our heads, and if you feel comfortable, come forward and grab a hand. Father, our hearts are bowed to you right now, Jesus. And we pause a moment, God. And we say that we love you, and we're grateful, and we thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for the many situations that's being prayed about right now. Whether it's in the seats, whether it's at front, whether it's at home. God, you know this situation where it just needs the dose of your great love. Your active love, your transforming love, your enduring love, and God, even your bold love. I pray for our workers in our community as they carry the banner of Jesus Christ to the schools, to the government, to their many different situations, God. That their heart continues to stay pointed towards you. And then, God, at those times that we feel shy, we feel like being a recluse, God, that we would say, no, we have to be bold. God as you reveal through patience and kindness that you're transforming us, God, that we would embrace that. God, let us be active in our pursuit with you. All I want to do is love you. Let's sing this song with wailing. All I want to do is worship you. All I want to do is stay here right at your feet. As I lift my hands toward heaven, let your glory fall down on me. Rekindle that fire within me, Lord, once again. Father, we pray that our hearts would be red hot for you. (laughs) We would be red hot in love with you, in love with our marriage, in love with our family, in love with our community, God. We know that you're going to walk us through it and we believe and trust in you. So our hearts are full of elation that we get to serve you and we get to be called sons and daughters of the Most High God. God, bless this congregation as they go into their next week, God. Let your face shine upon them, God. Bless them in their job and in their family. Keep them safe, keep them protected, God. We love you, we praise you, and we worship you. And everybody says amen amen hey we love you guys don't forget about the halftime devotion if you're praying still continue to pray we love you guys and we will see you wednesday night we are so thankful you joined us today we would love to hear from you at ray of hope podcast at gmail.com let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you remember christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything